Our scripture is from Colossians, the third chapter, the first 15 verses from the Common English Bible. Hear God's word. Therefore, if you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above where Christ is sitting at God's right side. Think about the things above and not things on earth. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So put to death the parts of your life that belong to the earth, such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. The wrath of God is coming upon disobedient people because of these things. You used to live this way when you were alive to these things, but now set aside these things, such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene language. Don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature which is renewed in knowledge by conforming to the image of the one who created it. In this image, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all things and in all people. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other, and if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, so also forgive each other. And over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you were called in one body. And be thankful, people. This is the word of the Lord. Does anybody else here have a messy closet? Or is it just me? I heard garage, yes, uh, or a garage, or maybe a messy junk drawer. I have all of those, <laughs> but I was thinking specifically about my closet, especially this morning, even though the sermon was finished, a gift from God, my shelf fell on me as I was getting dressed this morning, just to remind me that uh, maybe my closet needs a little work. (laughs) You know, it's hard sometimes to be disciplined enough to always hang everything back up where it goes. Or I'll fold things and put them away, but I put them away, you know, just shove them in there. And also, you know, the closet gets filled with stuff that's old, Uh, Maybe it doesn't fit anymore. There are things that get worn out, but still I hang on to them. And then I know there's items in my closet that probably would be best stored someplace else, but it's really convenient to just shove them in there in the back. 
And what happens, though, is the closet gets full of um, stuff. And the things that I need and wear on a regular basis become just a small portion of what's in there. And they're not as easy to reach because they're mixed in with all this other stuff. I wish I had a better word, but stuff will cover it. I was thinking about my closet when I was reflecting on the scripture from Colossians for today because Paul, in his letter, is talking about taking off the old nature. As disciples of Christ, we are to take off the old nature and put on the new nature of a disciple. And that made me think of taking off old garments, putting on new garments, which, if your closet's full, it's hard to find. (laughs) And I like to think often in images, in metaphor. So I started to think, well, what if we thought of ourselves, the totality of ourself, mind, body, spirit, just for today as a metaphorical closet? The way we're built, our basic architecture comes from birth. It's given to us by God. Comes with the house, essentially. God built the house, put the closet in. Maybe God hung in the back of the closet an image. I think we each carry with us an image of Jesus Christ. Maybe that image is hung in the back of the closet as a reminder of who built the house, who it belongs to. And right next to it is a mirror. One of those great mirrors, like when you go to the fitting room of a store and the lighting's just perfect and you look really great. Not one of those other mirrors. (laughs) Where you go and you look and you go, oh no, (laughs) is this what I look like? Now this mirror, installed by God to reflect who you really are, loved, created in the image of God, as a reminder who you are, beloved. But as uh, closets will do, they get full. Early on, the first people to hang stuff in the closet start to fill it up. Maybe our parents, our caregivers put things in there. Some good, some bad. If we have parents who have a a spiritual bent, maybe they are careful to keep that area clear so that we can continue to see the image of God and the reflection of ourselves as who we are most beloved. Maybe not. Maybe stuff gets hung on top and piled in front. We go to school. We collect other things that we put in there, some useful, some not. The outside culture interactions with the outside world. We collect more and more things that we put away in this closet. Things that serve us, things that don't. Sometimes we shove stuff in the back that we don't want anybody else to see, but we know is there. And as this Stuff collects that image of God and the reminder that we are made in the image of God gets more and more obscured, covered over. 
A lot of what's in there is worldly stuff, worldly goods. What Paul in Colossians is talking about, the old human nature. Paul talks about things like moral corruption, evil desire, greed, anger, malice, slander, lying to one another. We might also include in there the things that divide us as people, the way that we categorize people in order to keep ourselves apart, not as one body but separate. Paul talks about in Christ there is no Greek or Jew, no slave or free. In the old nature, there are these categories, ways of looking at people as different and separate. And in this letter to the Colossians, Paul is reminding his readers and also us that as disciples we are to be taking off that worldly nature and putting on a new nature, putting on a garment of compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, humility, behaving with tolerance and forgiveness, and above all, putting on a garment of love. That we are to be, as disciples, renewed in knowledge by conforming in the image of the one who created us. Ah, but sometimes that image is hidden. In the back, we can't see it anymore. We forget who built that house and put the closet in and hung the image so that we could remember We've been doing this sermon series on spiritual disciplines, and this is the last one. Um, And for me, when I think about spiritual discipline, I think about it sometimes as a metaphorical cleaning out of that closet. It's the way that we make space in our lives to remember whose we are, to remind ourselves of the image of God to make space, to be renewed in that knowledge, to conform to the image of God. Last week, Dale's sermon was on being disciples in training. We are in training. And he, he talked about the ways in which we practice our faith in order to grow closer to God. And he talked about spiritual disciplines, meditation, prayer, fasting, study, worship, service, confession, there's more, that are concrete, disciplined practices that we can do when we desire to live the life of a disciple. And in Paul's words, we're taking off the old nature and putting on the new. That making space, taking off the old, putting on the new, allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts, allowing Jesus to control the heart, I think is part of the discipline of meditation. This is one of those practices where we make space for God. 
When I say meditation, I'm, not, I'm talking specifically about Christian meditation. I know meditation is a word that comes with baggage. It reminds people of transcendental meditation or other Eastern practices of meditation. And we don't remember that we actually have a very strong tradition of Christian meditation that is scripturally based. People like Isaac and Joshua are mentioned as meditating. It's mentioned in the Psalms. Psalm 19 mentions the meditations of the heart. There are two Hebrew words which mean meditation. They're used about 58 times in the Hebrew scriptures. And what they mean in general is this idea of meditation. It's listening to God's word, ruminating on God's law, reflecting on God's works. And when you do those things, there's an emphasis on changed behavior. Jesus also withdrew from people. He had a regular habit of withdrawing from people in order to have time apart with God. This withdrawing from people to have time apart from God is the idea that I'm talking about when I say the word meditation. Time apart to spend with God. There's a great book. It's called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And in there, he describes Christian meditation as simply the ability to hear God's voice and obey God's word. He talks about how we want to make it complicated, but that is really what it is at its essence. And I love this that he says. In the practice of meditation, we create the emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary in the heart. It's a kind of inward fellowship that transforms the inward personality. Foster goes on to suggest that if we want to meditate, we start by praying for the desire to meditate. Because even the desire to meditate is a gift of grace. When we think we're going to do it on our own, under our own power, sometimes that works for a little while, but the desire soon fades to keep up that discipline. As Foster says, it's, it's not complicated. But it is helpful to have some guidelines. I read that um, it was such a common practice in the ancient times that we just get, Isaac went off into the field to meditate because everybody knew what that was. They knew what it meant. They knew how to do it. But we don't do it as much anymore. So it is helpful to have some guidelines. Out at the Connect Center, I added more copies of Dale's summary of the spiritual disciplines that he had last week for his sermon. And in there, 
is the name of this book and the author, if you'd like to find it, because there's a great chapter on meditation. I also included uh, two pages on centering prayer, which I'll talk about a little bit later. So if you want directions, there's directions out there. I like directions. <laughs> so I thought I would share a little of my own practice um, not because I'm an expert, but because I'm a person who for um, probably 10 years has started and stopped meditation um, and uh, done terribly at it. And it's because I'm a rule follower and I like the directions. And when I get the directions, I want to do it right. I have a tendency to want to have control. I like it. I'm a rule follower. I want to get an A on my meditation. So if you give me a directions, this is how you do it. I'm going to do it that way for sure. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Because if meditation is about giving over control of your heart, you've got to let go of the rules. I'm in a clergy group that meets, and a couple of years ago, we agreed to do centering prayer, which is a kind of Christian prayer, brief summary, you set aside time to meditate on a name for God. Very brief summary. But I am a rule follower, so I wanted to do it right and keep my commitment and set my timer and do it for the right amount of time in the right amount of way. So guess what happened? (laughs) I did for a while, and then I didn't anymore. (laughs) But I still had that desire. I wanted to meditate, to have that time apart with God. So I had to let go. Ask God to lead me where I was supposed to be going in this meditation practice. And eventually, it occurred to me, I drink a lot of tea. A lot of tea, all day long. And I had this thought, probably divine inspiration. What if I just made this my meditation? What if every morning I just get up before everybody else does and I don't worry about the rules, I just sit down with a cup of tea and commit to sitting still for the duration. It's hot, which means I have to drink it slowly, which means I can't rush. And I know when I'm done because I finish the cup. So that's what I started doing. I've been doing it now for uh, almost a year, maybe more than a year. Sometimes I get interrupted. The kids get up. But I know I'm not done because I still have to finish this cup of tea. So I go back and I finish. And then I'm, I think, essentially a Trinitarian at heart. So this felt incomplete. And I long ago have tried another practice that is recommended in a book called The Artist's Way of Doing Morning Pages, where you write three pages. Uh, Longhand, you just write about whatever in the morning first thing. And I have tried this repeatedly and always quit after a little while. I think it's because it wasn't grounded in God. It was about me wanting to get my morning pages done. But now I move from this T to writing three pages. And it becomes sometimes a clearing out, that making space. So 
Sometimes it's a conversation with God. Sometimes it's a lot of nonsense because <laughs> I'm still goal-oriented and I made that promise that I'm going to finish three pages. Sometimes I do quit in the middle, but not, not as often as I used to. But that's still a lot about me. What am I thinking about? What's on my mind? So the third part, I moved to Scripture. And again, I like to be a rule follower, have some control. So a while ago, I bought one of those 365 Bibles because I was going to be the pastor that read the whole Bible in a year, and that means I'm good at my job. <laughs> it turns out that reading the Bible that way for that motive is not the best one. <laughs> so I started just, I read till I stop. Sometimes it's a verse, sometimes it's a couple of chapters. I do generally follow the basic structure because now I have a way to know where to, I guess, track my progress in the sense of um, there's some order. I'm not completely wandering. But I do notice if I'm reading to get to the end of that section. If I'm just reading to get to the end of that section, then I stop. If I'm reading and I'm noticing that I am not listening to what God is saying, I go back and reread the next day. So it's not about me. It becomes about God's word and that conversation together. I realized in this I said a lot of I, 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 I. That's in the hope, I think, that you'll sense some freedom in the discipline. It isn't about me, and I don't think I'm doing this the right way. But I know, so I said I again, that I struggle with how to do things the right way. And if you do too, maybe there is that desire, that prayer to meditate, have time apart, and just knowing that it's okay to set your own way in your own conversation with God. It's about the time apart and the giving over control of the heart. If we think of meditation as that cleaning out of our metaphorical closet, we are tossing out that clutter, those worldly things that have been put in there, things we've stuck in there, things we're ashamed of that are hidden in the back, that old nature. We're making space so that Christ can come in and clear out that back area so that we are, remember the image of God, remember who we are as most beloved, and there are garments in there that we can reach for right away of love and compassion, kindness, humility. If you go on the Internet, there are always steps, four easy ways to clear out your closet. You can watch that Netflix show about getting rid of your clutter. That's not what we need in our spiritual lives. We don't need easy hacks, lists of how to do things. We need practices that are about giving over the heart to Christ's control so that that peace can rule in our hearts. 
The good news is, the good news is, we are never too messy for God's love. May it be so. Amen.